This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Amen. I want to talk to you. This is kind of the second week, and I think this kind of be it. Wrap it up. There's there's more to this series, but we have our candlelight service, and then my daughter Destiny coming. So excited and family. I think we have one day. All our kids are going to be together. So we're just coveting that one day. Um, so the second week in our series, the gifts of Christmas, unwrapping the gifts of Christmas. And one of the texts we've had, we kind of ended off with this last week in 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift. Can you just touch your name and say, that means you? From his great variety of spiritual gifts. So God has a variety of spiritual gifts. It says, notice what the scripture says. It says, use them well to serve one another. How many know that you're supposed to use your gift to serve one another? And it says, use them well. So it's an admonition that we are to do that. And then in Romans eleven twenty nine, we kind of ended this also last week. It said, for God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. And so we spent a little time on that. And I won't, you can get that, uh, go online and, and, and download that or listen to that uh, of, of how God will not take back the gift he has given you. And I kind of tempered it with, hence, Sometimes many, many people's frustrations in life is because they have a gift, but they're doing something day in and day out, and they're not allowing that gift to be expressed in their life. And to me, that just spells misery. Amen? It just spells misery. And, 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 and God wants us to wake up, to wake up. And that's why he told Timothy to stir up the gift of God, to stir up the gift of God. 2 Timothy 1.6, therefore I remind you, one version says to fan into flames a spiritual gift. We all started fires at some time, right? And you leave sometimes that fire and it kind of burns down the embers. It means to stir it up, to kindle it, to, to, to restoke that. It means to resuscitate. That's an interesting word. So part of it was of that gift that Timothy had through the laying on of hands. And what that tells me is that if we leave, if we leave our gift and we don't are not active and engaged in thinking about what God has graced us with in this life, we will relegate that to something just outside our sphere of daily in and out. I think, well, okay, maybe in church or something. And no, how many know God wants you to stir that gift up throughout the week where you're at? Amen. In the workplace where you're dealing with people to stir up that gift, whatever that may be. And so, so he said, well, I don't know if I can hear God. You know, whatever your grace was, if you're graced with hospitality, you like to bake things. You heard God when that voice tells you, you know what? I just feel this person's in need or whatever. And I just want to bless her. They're going through a difficult time. I'm going to bake something for them and give it to them. You can be confident that that's the Lord. Amen. You don't have to really try to work that all up. That's God. That's stepping out in your gift to, to, to kindle anew afresh. But one also part two of this passage I was reading, Timothy, he was despondent because his Paul, who was his teacher, was put in prison at this time. This very large church. And, and they felt that at this time, some of the commentators said he was ready to abandon the church, just leave. The pressure was too much. And his life was in danger. I mean, they imprisoned Paul. I mean, he, the great apostle there. 
And so she so said, okay, Pastor, how do we stir up the gift? Very quickly, this is really, I don't want to get into it, but I want to give you this real quick. So I'm just going to say it. You might not have time to write it down, but four ways to stir up your gift. Number one, remember the past goodness of God. There's something powerful about remembering what God has done in your life. Has God done anything for you in your life? Have you asked him? Have you ever been in a situation in your life and you felt, I'm not going to make it through this? Am I the only one in here? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to make it through it. I'm going down. This is it. This is over for us. And now here you are today. <laughs> here you are today. And we have this thing where we have forgetfulness and we forget what God has done. And so st you remember God's past goodness and his love towards you and how he delivered you. That starts to stir up that gift. Number two, share in the sufferings of other believers. That goes back to that thing of caring. Care about others. Think about others, you know. The world is so entrenched with me, myself, and I. What we want, what's our pleasure, what we're going to do for our retirement, what we're going to do when we are together as a family. And Think of others. Think of others. And number three, stay true to sound teaching. You know, there's a lot of crazy stuff that's out there. Crazy stuff, the teaching, and, 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 and that take people in different directions, and, and that's not of God. And then number four, guard your gift. Treasure it. Protect it. All right? And, and whatever, whatever that means and how that relates to you, protect that gift that God has given you in your life. So, we mentioned this last week, and we'll continue with our text here. The greatest gift was the birth of Jesus Christ, that gift of salvation. Can I get an amen? Isn't that right? The Bible says in Luke 2, 10, 12, we're talking about unwrapping the gifts of Christmas, but the angel said to the shepherds, do not be afraid, I bring you, the shepherds, good news of great joy that will be for all the people today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And we've talked about that, and we spent some time last week, and we talked about unwrapping the gifts. We said that first gift was the gift of purpose, and we had little baby Rudolph here. Uh, I'm not going to hit his paw, but he does light up, and he does sing his song. And part of the song of Rudolph was that all the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names until he discovered, and Santa discovered, that this shiny nose can take us through. So that tells me that a lot of times, especially kind of related as a Christmas theme here, but spiritualizing it, is that, 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 that God has graced us with something, and if we don't discover that, we can be very frustrated in life. Very frustrating in life. Luke 2.10 2, says, Do not be afraid. I have good news for you, a message that will fill everyone with joy. Everyone with joy. And we said this, that the shepherds in that day, they were... Uh, uh, they, at the, especially the Old Testament time, they were despised. They were kind of the bottom of the rung. They were, they were not high. You wouldn't want your son or daughter to become a shepherd, and you wouldn't want to marry one of them. And just the way it was at that time in history. And so who does God give the message to, the greatest message to? He gives it to shepherds working the night shift. Amen. Those that are struggling. So if you work, excuse me, if you work the night shift and you wonder like, God, oh, where are you? You know, you can get a message from the Lord. Amen. It says what the world despised, God utilized to fulfill his purpose, to fulfill their purpose. And so, so that's, we talked about discovering that gift. But here's what I want to get into this morning. The remainder time that we have is this next gift, the gift of forgiveness. So we're going to just take a little road off. I'm going to bring him back here and I think I mentioned last week if we wanted to start an auction on auction him off for a building 
fun, then we can do that for Rudolph, okay? Amen. <laughs> so any of you can start on bidding on that later online. So we have this other gift here, and uh, I have a few things. The gift of forgiveness. You know, sometimes we make mistakes in life. Sometimes things happen to us, and life gets broken. Isn't that right? So I have a little uh, elf here who's lost his little leg, so he's, he's broken. And um, I've got a little baby ducky here. There's a hole in the bottom, so he doesn't really float. Um, I got this cute little dog, but he, where is it? He lost his tail. His tail's somewhere. So he don't, he don't have a tail. Uh, oh, we got a Frosty. Frosty lost his, he melted his hands. So Frosty's hands are gone. And uh, Santa is missing his cap for somehow. And so, so here we have these toys, and there's something the matter with them. And how many of you had toys? I remember one time I loved, I still like G.I. Joe's. I don't play with G.I. Joe's now, just want to let you. <laughs> but I love them. Especially the ones that had the little beard and they had the scar. And come on, guys, you remember those days when you're probably, it should be eight or nine, but I was about 15 still playing with them. But <laughs> regardless, <laughs> uh, I loved the G.I. I had a kind of a sack of them. Well, my dad was my brother's. And my brother's, you know, sometimes family can be trying, um, especially when you have brothers and sisters. And I had all my stuff organized all in there, and I had one G.I. Joe that had a parachute on it, so you could throw it up, and the parachute would open, and you'd come down. I was like, man, that's the best, you know? <clears throat> well, then he complained to my, my brother, uh, complained to my dad, I was like, he has all the G.I. Joes, he won't let me play with it. Well, yeah, I was selfish, because I knew they would break it, right? Come on now, parent. You're going to let your brother play. They're going to break it. Sure enough, dad, you better let your brothers use that. So I had to just stand there, and they came in, and they dug in this. They grabbed the G.I. Joes. They, took, they threw them up, got stuck in the tree. They broke stuff, and so I just gathered them all up, and that was it. So we, we all know about how life can get broken. Can I get an amen? We make mistakes. Toys get broke, broken. And we make mistakes in life, and <clears throat> we're not sure how to fix it. And hence, we have this gift, this tremendous gift that God has given us called forgiveness. I want to talk to you a little bit about forgiveness here this morning. <clears throat> I don't mean this to be a heavy, but it, it, it's a powerful, powerful gift that God has given to every believer. Forgiveness, a conscious, deliberate, and I don't mean just for salvation here. That's one component. I'm talking about forgiveness to one another. Okay, a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance towards a person or group who has harmed you, regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness. So let me just say this. I am not on high on the chart of being the pure example of the greatest example of someone that's full of forgiveness. Some of you may think that about me, but I don't mean to disappoint you, but I struggle with it too. And so do you. Amen. Uh, but, but, but I've seen the beauty of it and what it does to your life and how it affects, and I want to talk about that. So just as important as defining what forgiveness is, is understanding what forgiveness is not. So before some of you think, oh God, I come to church, he read my mail. You know what? I'm dealing with a situation right now. <clears throat> you, need to, you need to know what forgiveness is not, okay? And so I have some forgiveness truths. Experts who study or teach forgiveness make clear that when you forgive, you do not gloss over or deny the seriousness of an offense against you. Did you get that? 
forgiveness does not mean forgetting, nor does it mean condoning or excusing offenses. When you forgive, you in no way change the past, but you sure do change the future. Even though forgiveness, these are some truths, even though forgiveness can help repair a damaged relationship, it doesn't obligate you to, watch this, reconcile with a person who harmed you or release them from legal accountability. What does it mean, then, forgiveness? Forgiveness brings the forgiver peace of mind and frees them from corrosive anger. And I don't know about you, but I have at times have had corrosive anger. That's what we talked about that scripture earlier, lifting up hands without wrath, corrosive anger. Why? Because Satan knows if he can keep us in a state of unforgiveness, it is corrosive to our spiritual well-being. You know, um, I think I'm, the, the word that's coming to me right now is the word tethered. Tethered is kind of like tied to. So if you tied up a dog or whatever you tied up, one time I actually <laughs> saw her, just a girl the other day, she was walking in a harness, a cat, a cat was in the harness. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> Never seen a cat in a harness, but, uh, but, but tethered, how many know that they can only go so far because of that tethering, right? That's just like unforgiveness in our life. Hear me, church, unforgiveness does that. It tethers us and we just can't seem to get further. And we're really, we're frustrated. So forgiveness brings the forgiver peace of mind and frees them from corrosive anger. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. Did you get that? Forgiveness empowers you to recognize the pain you suffered without letting that pain define you enabling you to heal and move on with your life. Wow. Forgiveness is the makeover work God does in your hearts to make our lives new. Here's the thing about forgiveness. The weak can never forgive. I'm going to say that again. The weak can never forgive. Forgiveness is an attribute of the strong. Let me give you an illustration. A must-see movie for Christmas, family, and friends. It's not a Christmas theme, but uh, my wife and I saw it recently. It's the... Uh, movie about Louis Zamperini and Unbroken. I don't know if you've seen it. it was a couple of years ago, Unbroken came out. Well, the second one is out now. And it's his life, how he was converted and how he was, he was saved in a Billy Graham evangelistic crusade in the 1940s. But Louis Zamperini, he was an American World War II hero. He flew the B-24 Liberator bomber to air. Um, he, that had about 10 men in it, in maximum. There was machine guns. It was loaded with ordnance. And they were, had some technical issues and they had to ditch the plane. And he was at sea between 46 to 47 days. But on that raft, he cried out, if you save me, I will serve you the rest of my life, God, if you save me from this. Well, then he forgets about that because what he goes into is worse than the 47 days. He was picked up by some Japanese soldiers and they threw him in a prison camp. He was a prisoner of war in Japan. And he met with the guy they called the bird. It was Mashuri Watanabe. He hated this man. This man would strike him. He had others just abuse uh, him and beat on him constantly, gave him rice with maggots. I mean, it was just, he torched, they, he just hated this man. And so he was, the, the bird was after Louis. And if you've seen the first show, you know what I'm talking about. The second one talks is that after they were liberated and they were set free, well, he comes out, he meets a gal, and he's, he's, he, he falls in love with her, and they get married, and, but his life starts to digress because all he can think about is consumed with getting even with the bird. 
wanting to kill him to where he tried to purchase a ticket to Japan. He got a gun and it's, a whole, it's just, it's, it was horrible. The anger and the hatred and the unforgiveness of his life, he had to kill him. That's all he felt to do. And it finally, as a stone cold alcoholic, he stepped into the tent by the promptings of his wife. I was going to say that's interesting. Wives, you have a tremendous influence in your husband's lives. Can I say that again? Amen, wives. You have a tremendous influence. He didn't want to go, and she kind of prodded him a few times, but he came, and he was ready to bolt out of that tent, and Billy Graham ministered to him, and he came forward, and he received Christ, and he was radically saved. His whole life changed, and that spirit of forgiveness came upon him and his captors, and that he actually flew to Japan, met with the POW, the prisoners, the Japanese prisoners, met with them and hugged them and said, I forgive you for the torture you went through. That is powerful. See, the weak can never forgive. Forgiveness is the attribute of the strong. Can you say amen? And so scripture says in Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. As in Christ, God forgave you. Uh, Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Somebody say amen to those verses, please. See, the key in both passages is that we're to forgive others as God has forgiven us. How many of you have been forgiven? Amen. We're to forgive others. Why do we forgive? Because we have been forgiven. You say, well, pastor, you don't know what they did to me, whatever, and you didn't. It's true. Uh, if someone just cuts you off on the road or whatever, you could be angry for a moment and you just kind of go on and forget about them. Isn't that right? But somebody really, really, really hurts you. Come on out. I'm speaking to people that know what I'm talking about. Really hurts you. That's a different story. That takes God's power. That God, takes God's spirit to set you free. Do you remember the days you'd have to go into the... Uh, the copy stores where, you know, not everyone had a printer at that time. I know I'm dating myself. And now we can just send it Wi-Fi to a printer somewhere and go pick it up. Uh, but I remember having to go into stores and sometimes even downtown or Office Max or whatever. And it's like, I need, you know, 10 copies of this. Some of you don't remember that, but I remember that. Well, I remember I heard, saw one time a sign that said, mistakes must be paid for. Just thought, what if I hit 10 instead of 10, I hit 1,000. And it started printing 1,000 of these. And, and so it was a mistake. And I just thought about that. <clears throat> if mistakes must be paid for, or how many of you have ever seen the sign, if you break it, you buy it? I don't know how they can really enforce that, but right now there's a lot of those signs out, especially some delicate stores. And if you break it, you buy it. Who pays? Who can pay? So in other words, where do we go to find forgiveness? Well, the Bible says that in Luke 2.11, there was born unto you this day in the city of David a Savior. That word Savior in the Greek is the word sozo. And it means to save, yes, uh, to deliver such one from sins, but it also is encompassed so much more. Watch this. It also means I heal. A healer has been born. Amen. Thank God for the healer. I rescue. I rescue. I deliver. I preserve. And I believe that he's in tie too, that God can rescue. He can heal. He can preserve us through this gift of forgiveness. Amen. So we need forgiveness not only because mistakes must be paid for, but as we unwrap the gifts of Christmas, 
God can take. God is the only one that can take the broken things of our lives. He's the only one that can repair them. Amen? See, now, if I had my G.I. Joes here, I could snap that leg back on. Because, see, they would go back onto that arm, and you go, wow, that was a great illustration, Pastor, but I just have broken toys up here. My point is this. <laughs> forgiveness. Somebody shout forgiveness. Yeah. You know, there was a survey, U.S. News. Who was most likely to get to heaven? It was a number of years ago, actually, over 10 years. And there was a list of famous people, famous people likely to get into heaven, as was the survey. And so at the top was Mother Teresa. I don't think I need to elaborate. Most of you know have heard of Mother Teresa, did, did tremendous work her whole life, the Catholic nun in Calcutta, and just served the poorest of the poor. 79% of the people said that they thought Mother Teresa would get into heaven. I think there was a lot of basketball fans because Michael Jordan was at 65 at the Knicks. Uh, Colin Powell came in at 61. So O.J. Simpson was at the bottom of the list with 19%. Uh, but there was one voter getting who topped even Mother Teresa. According to this U.S. News and World Report survey, one individual received 87% shot at getting into heaven. I thought, well, who is this number one person that thought to get to heaven? Well, the number one person on the list was the person taking the poll. <laughs> they felt that they would have a better chance than Mother Teresa to get into heaven. Well, what does it say? It says that all the famous people in the world, yes, we will put Mother Teresa at the top, but I'd say, well, you know, really, anyone that has a better shot than Mother Teresa to get into heaven would be me, right? That's, that's what it's saying. Uh, you know, how many of you know human nature, uh, that reasoning is, is, can be corrupt or can be corrupt? Proverbs 21, 12 says, every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. And so we can self-justify and think we're, you know, better than what really we are. We compare ourselves among ourselves. And when we've evangelized and shared with people and we talked about evangelism, some of the things when I asked the pointed question, if you died tonight, God forbid, and you would uh, stand before the Lord, would he say, what would you say to him? He said, why should I let you into heaven? The list starts off, I'm a good person. I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I've never killed anybody. Okay, may have taken something, but I didn't mean it. So what they do is they justify themselves and they down, you know, dumb down their sin issue. And how many of you know sin is a spiritual issue? Amen. Amen, church? A spiritual issue. And so we have a moral debt before a perfect holy God, and there's a gap. We cannot live up to God's standard on our own. Amen? And that's why Jesus took our place in the cross. He paid that debt. But just because of that truth, there's something else. Hear me. There's something else we need to do. We need to respond. Watch this. We need to repent, believe. We need to receive that gift, unwrap that gift, and live that gift. Can I get an amen? See, mistakes must be paid for. Romans 6.23 says, the payment for sin is death. But watch this. Somebody shout, the gift that God freely gives is everlasting life found in Jesus Christ, our Lord. That gift entails forgiveness for us spiritually, but also we have the ability to forgive others, to forgive others. There's only one that was worthy to do that, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen. Joseph said in Matthew 121, he said, Mary will give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus because he will save Sozo, his people from their sins. I'm going to conclude now. Some of you recognize Corrie Timboon and her family. She resisted, and her and her family resisted the Nazis in the 1940s in their home. They actually built, there's a little picture of that house there, that they built a room that actually had a window, but if you walked in and you went upstairs, you wouldn't just saw that because it was a narrow corridor where they hid a lot of the, uh, the Jewish 
uh, people. They're trying to escape the Nazis. And that went on for a period of time. And ultimately they were discovered and, and then they were sent to a concentration camp, her and her sister and family members. So all of them actually, uh, all of them died in captivity except her. And it was a terrible, a terrible time for her in her life, but God brought her through. And after she got out of there, actually, I think it was a typo error that released her. And she would travel throughout Europe and she would share this testimony about uh, forgiveness. And she'd share about Christ and she shared her faith. Well, on one occasion in 1947, while speaking in a church in Munich, she noticed a balding man in a gray overcoat near the rear of the basement room. She had been speaking on the subject of God's forgiveness, but her heart froze within her when she recognized the man. She, she, excuse me, she could picture him as she had seen him so many times before in his blue Nazi uniform with his visored cap, the cruelest of the guards, at the Ravensbrück camp where Corey had suffered the most horrible humiliations and where her own sister had died. Yet here he was at the end of her message, <laughs> coming up the aisle toward her with his hand thrust out. Thank you for your fine message, he said. How wonderful it is to know that all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. <laughs> yes, Corey had said that. She had spoken so easily of God's forgiveness, but here was a man whom she despised and condemned with every fire, fiber of her being. She couldn't take his hand. She couldn't extend forgiveness to this Nazi oppressor. She realized that this man didn't remember her. How could he remember one prisoner among thousands? He goes on to say, you mentioned Ravensbrück, and the man continued, his hand still extended. I was a guard there. I'm ashamed to admit it, but it's true. But since then, I have come to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Wow. It has been hard for me to forgive myself for all the cruel things I did. But I know that God has forgiven me. And please, if you would, I would, I would like to hear from your lips too that God has forgiven me. Do you think that was all an accident, church? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and Corey recorded her response in her book. She writes, she said, I stood there. I, whose sins had again and again been forgiven, I could not forgive. It could not have been many seconds that I stood there hand held out. But to me, it seems like hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I've ever had to do. She said, for I, for I had to do it. I knew that. It was simple and as horrible as that, she writes. And still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. And so stiffly and mechanically, I thrust my hand into the, the one stretched out to me as I did. And an incredible thing took place. And she writes, she says, the current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our hands, and this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother. I cried, and she sobbed, and they hugged together right at that moment. Stay with me if you would, please. She writes, for a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. She says this, I had never known God's love. Hear me, church. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did at that moment. Wow. You know, Matthew 6, 14 says, if you forgive others the wrongs that they have done to you, your Father in heaven will also forgive you. Worship team, you can come forward. Every head bowed, please.
we, this touches the core to all of us. Maybe not to the extent that what she went through. Some of you, maybe. I don't know. But I do know this. I've seen the power of forgiveness work in my own life, especially in dealings with my family. Before we moved to come out here, some of you have heard this story. From Boston, things were not good with family members. And, and some of you have just like one brother or one sister. I had eight. And all, nothing was good. <laughs> Everybody seemed like they hated me and I had some issue. And that's a lot of, that's a lot of, and then parents. And, and I remember just praying, saying, God, if I'm to step out and move to Minnesota, I, I, need, to, I need to be released from this. I don't want this anger to carry with me because it's going to inhibit my life in ministry, which you've called me to do. And at that time, I was starting as a youth pastor back in 1992, 93. And I just felt the Lord say, you need to go to each of them. Even some of them were married and their spouse. And it was just, it was, it was very hard. <laughs> Can I say that again? It was very hard. The scripture says, to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons and daughters of God. You can do it. You can do that. You have the power of Christ within you to forgive. And see, it's not so much so much for that other person. Yes, God cares about and he cares about their state. But it's for you to be free. It's you to be released. It's you to move on in harmony. See, Louis' life didn't turn around until he forgave his captors. Wow. I don't know what I would do in that moment, but I would pray that God would come upon me to help me. And the helper is here this morning. I said, the helper is here. Just as Corey Timboon was released, it changed her life from that moment on. God cares about what's going on inside of us. We can come home every day and have this gnawing thing going on. We really don't know about it. It's maybe you got ought to your dad. I, had, I couldn't stand my dad. I hated my dad. He didn't think I was his own son. And you've heard the stories about that if you've been here long enough at Harvest. And I had blue eyes. He had, they all had dark eyes of the family. You're not my son. So I was that ostracized kid, my sister and I. Growing up under that, he had this spite. So I had hatred in my heart towards him. And I remember just praying about that and through the years, talking with him and making amends and things right and forgiving him, releasing him. And some of you remember, I think it was 2013, Christmas time. I flew him out here, paid for everything for him. Flew him out here. He sat right up here, front row. We had a service. We, we, he stayed at our home. It was a great time. I was free. So I was free. Some of you are not free in the area. Whether it be a mom, maybe a parent, maybe it's a husband or a wife that just did you wrong. It was just wrong. It's unjust. It's not right. You're not erasing what happened, but you're releasing them. They're not going to have a stronghold on you as you forgive. It's not worth it. Life's too short. Let them go. If he had bowed, please. Right now, I want to talk to you briefly about forgiveness in relation to salvation. Those that are watching by television and our television audience, and you hear this morning, say, Pastor, not right with God. I need to get right with God. Today's the day. This is a great day for you to get right with God. You're here this morning as a pastor. I want to get right with God. Let's pray together corporately for you to receive Christ, receive forgiveness, and move on with the Lord. Say this to me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. 
Jesus, I give you my life. Now take it. Thank you for saving me. I will serve you all the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. With every head bowed still. Nobody looking around, please. This is for those that are believers, but we all go through things and you struggled. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but what I'm going to do is invite the altar workers to come forward now at this time as we conclude the service. I have a prayer here that I'm going to pray. Just a prayer of forgiveness. And as altar workers come down, these are safe people. These are people that are here for you. Some of you need to come up here. You really do. And you, and you, need, to, you need to make things right with God. Faith is action, it's decision. You say, well, I can make things right with God right where I'm at. Yes, but God honors. When Louis went in that tent, he ran out of it. He went all the way up front and knelt before Billy Graham. There was something about that, that God met him at his point of desperation. And these people aren't happy here just because it's a nice, cute thing. They are ministers. I, we, we're an equipping church. They're here, they love God. They're not perfect, but they can hear from God. They're here for you. There's a prayer of forgiveness I'd like to pray for us all. I know this touches the core of many of us. I'm going to pray this prayer. We'll dismiss the service. If you'd like ministry, you can come forward. Let's pray. It's a prayer of forgiveness, a prayer to forgive others, especially as we, we enter into this Christmas season. We're going to be thrust in sometimes with people that, boy, they we have unresolved issues. and It goes back many, many years. God wants to set you free. If you're willing to have him flow through you, pray this with me. Say this, say, dear Lord, I thank you for the power of forgiveness. Today I choose to forgive everyone who has hurt me. Help me set the person who has hurt me free and that I may release them to you right now. Help me to bless those who have hurt me Help me to walk in righteousness, peace, joy, demonstrating your life here on earth. I choose today to be kind and compassionate, forgiving others, just as you forgave me. Today I ask forgiveness of all the negative and harmful words I have spoken about myself. I do not want to abuse myself in such a way again. Transform my thoughts. Let me understand how marvelously you made me. Help me to change my habits. So I use my tongue to speak hope in favor upon my life and others. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Father, I bless the people of God as we're dismissed here today. I just pray your presence now as we sense it's moving. You're moving. You're bringing to light. Your, your spirit is, is wooing over us. Holy Spirit, let us not just bolt out of here in this moment to try to ignore it and not deal with it. Let's take a moment and Lord, just even just worship Father God and, and, and hear your voice and take the necessary steps. Lord, I just know that as, as the people have prayed, they meant that, Lord, you are doing a healing even now. Holy Spirit, continue your work, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name, God bless you. You're dismissed this morning.
Have a blessed week. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times in meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.